Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. Well, I am very excited to be able to preach the first message of our Christmas series this year. I actually did the same thing last year, and it's especially fun for me just because I love Christmas. I have always loved Christmas. It's always been one of my favorite times of year. And I did love the time off school. That was a big part of it growing up, but it wasn't the thing I loved the most. Uh, I also loved the traditions. I loved how in Canada, that's where I grew up, it's all snowy and beautiful, and we'd go out Christmas caroling and have Christmas parties. All of those traditionals were really fun and exciting for me, but still not what I loved best about Christmas. And at this point, maybe you're thinking presents. That's what she loved most about Christmas. No, it wasn't even the presents that I loved most about Christmas. It was the food. I love the food of Christmas. At my house, some of the best baking of the year came out at Christmas, and so it was a really special time for me. Um, Maybe some of you can relate to that. I am a baker, like my mother, thank goodness she was a baker. I am also a baker. Many of you would know that about me. Something new that I discovered, though, is that Facebook also seems to know this about me. Maybe it's because I look at recipes online, but they seem to have discovered that I like to bake and cook and have worked it into their algorithm for me. And so I find that I do get a lot of cooking and baking-related content on my feed in Facebook. I don't know if you've ever been creeped out just by how specific Facebook is with the things that they give you, but this baking thing, I don't actually mind uh, because I like new recipes and I like to see the things that they uh, pop on my feed related to that. I'll just say it really close to my phone so I get even more of it. (laughs) So a couple of weeks ago, there was one thing on my feed that just left me laughing hysterically, and it was cake fail memes. I'm not sure if you've seen cake fail memes, but they're the best. And so I'm going to show you a couple of them that I thought were particularly funny. The expectation of this beautiful Olaf snowman and the reality of this Olaf that looks like he's in Australia. He looks like he's melting. That seems to be a bit of a theme with many of these cakes. Um, And if I knew who baked these cakes, I could tell them how to fix their icing. But I don't. So (laughs) the next one is this police call box also really looks like it's melting. Next, we have a minion whose pants are melting off. Sorry. Should have censored this one, perhaps. And finally, Belle. (laughs) Wow. 
the poor child who received this cake when they asked for a Beauty and the Beast themed cake for their birthday. Um, I thought that when I first saw it, but then I noticed actually in the corner of the picture that the candles say 30-ish. So this was not a child that received this cake, probably for the best. Now, you may or may not be a baker. Maybe you're not. That's okay. I think we can all relate anyway, to the idea that sometimes the reality of our circumstances don't live up to what our expectations were for them. This idea of expectation versus reality is one that probably everyone in this room can relate to at some time or another in their lives. So this morning as we start our Christmas series, Here Comes the King, I want to talk about some of the expectations and realities in the story of Jesus' birth. Mary was a young, engaged Jewish girl, and she had an expectation, I'm sure, of what her life was going to look like. And it probably was a pretty fair assumption of what her life would have looked like, were it not for God's intervention. Until this one night when God sent the angel Gabriel to her to announce to her what he wanted to do through her. And we're going to read about this in Luke chapter 1. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. That's a pretty big pivot, yeah? From where she thought her life was headed to where God was calling her life to be headed. Mary was headed down a pretty predictable path, but... Then God challenged her to shift her expectations and walk an unpredictable path. Accepting this new expectation for her life really could have led Mary down the path of disgrace. That was a pretty uh, safe assumption for her. To be an unwed pregnant woman in that society, she could expect rejection. She would have to come to grips with the fact that her fiancé could reject her, that her parents may disown her and leave her destitute. She would probably be humiliated by her peers because of what they assumed had been her actions to wind up this way. I can understand why Mary might have decided that it was better to stick to her own plan than to accept the new plan, the new expectation that God had for her. But as we read on, we'll see how Mary did respond to this offer by God. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. The baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. 
What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Mary responded in the most beautiful way. She surrendered her own expectations to God and took on his expectations, his plan. She said yes to the plans of God for her life. The reality of her circumstances were unchanged by her yes. But it was a response of trusting in God. In the God for whom nothing is impossible, as the angel had testified to her. Saying yes to God's expectations is an act of trust for all of us. When God leads us to do this in our lives, we need to make the same choice as Mary. We need to make the choice to trust him. At this point, she didn't know what the consequences of that trust would be, the consequences of taking on this new expectation. But she did know that there was a promise in it. And that promise was that she would give birth to the long-awaited king. Gabriel said, you will give, uh, I will give him, nope, God, God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. As a Jew, Mary would have known exactly what Gabriel was talking about. Because the Jews were holding on to a promise from God. The Jews were holding on to an expectation for a savior for their people. To understand that expectation, we have to go back more than a thousand years to the time when King David was on the throne ruling over Israel. And God made a promise to David that his kingdom would be established forever. So this is the promise that God's given, that the the kingdom would be established forever in David. So David's ancestors, they expected, would be uh, the ones to carry on the ruling of the kingdom after him. But about 500 years before the time of Mary, the Jews were taken away into exile by the Babylonians. And after that point, when they, even when they came back to the promised land, they were never able to reestablish the kingdom of Israel. They were always ruled over by these foreign empires from that time on. So for the last 500 years, there has been no son of David sitting on the throne. But the Jews were holding on to this promise that David's kingdom would be established forever. You with me so far? <laughs> I know this is a bit of history for you. So they were holding on to this promise, even though at this point in time, they were being ruled over by an enemy nation. And the Jewish expectation was that David's descendant was going to rise up and save the people from their enemies. This time that 
that enemy that they were thinking of was the Roman Empire. At the time of Mary, the Roman Empire were ruling over the Jewish people. And that when he sent that David's heir to raise back up the kingdom of Israel, they would reestablish the kingdom of Israel. So that was the Jewish expectation for a savior. And we've got to understand that that would have been Mary's baseline expectation as a Jew. But now she has an additional specific expectation that her son would be that savior king because of what the angel had told her, that he was going to be the descendant of David. So after giving her yes to God, Mary carries Jesus, and the time has almost come for him to be born. And because the Roman emperor had required a census to be taken, Mary and Joseph had to travel to Joseph's hometown, Bethlehem, in order to be registered. Now, can I just say, having been pregnant, this sounds like an absolute nightmare (laughs) to travel by foot or by donkey back, take your pick, while heavily pregnant sounds like torture. When I had swollen feet and couldn't get comfortable, I didn't even want to go to the local shops, let alone embark on a major journey. And that's what Mary and Joseph had to do. They had to travel to Bethlehem uh, just before the birth of their child in order to be registered in this census. They didn't have a choice. They had to go. And when they got to Bethlehem, there was such an influx of people coming in to be registered in the census that there was no place for them to stay. All accommodation was booked. And the only way they could get a roof over their heads was to sleep in a stable. And that's where Mary and Joseph welcomed Jesus, the king. Here comes the king doesn't really sound like the welcome party that you would expect for a king. It's probably one of the most humble births imaginable to give birth in a barn next to dirty animals and have to lay your child down to sleep in a feeding trough. It's certainly not a birth fit for a king. I can imagine Mary's joy as she welcomed her son into the world. But I can also imagine a feeling of great disappointment because the reality that she was looking at seemed like so much less than the reality that I imagine she expected giving birth to the king the future king. I remember back to when Matt and I were dating. He was living in, Matt is my husband, he was living in Norway and I was living in Australia and he was making plans to move to Australia. Makes it easier to be married when you live in the same country. So he was making plans to come over to Australia. But before he lived here, I did not have a car. I drove a scooter. And with Matt moving here for us to get married and start a family, that was not a very practical vehicle. 
But since we're missionaries, we don't earn a wage, and so we don't have that income to draw from in order to buy a vehicle. So we were praying for God to provide a vehicle for us. And we were praying for over a year for this by the time Matt moved to Australia. And so a few months after he arrived in Australia, we got offered a car. Yes. We were so, so, so thankful to be offered this car. It was being given to us by a friend of a friend, and it was a yellow Ford Falcon station wagon. She was not a beauty, but she was a car. We named her Blanche. She was going to be our car, and we were so thankful that God had answered our prayers and had given us this car. Because even a yellow station wagon is better than no car. Now, the car was down in Melbourne because it was a friend of a friend's, and so our friend was going to travel down, pick up the car, and drive it back for us. And the day that he picked up the car was a particularly rainy day. And he was driving it, he was on the Hume Highway, and he was stopped in back-to-back traffic. And the rain was coming down, and he noticed that the water level had risen up from being in the ditch to starting to cover the road. And as he sat there, unable to move in this back-to-back traffic, the water level continued to rise, rose up over the road, rose up over his toes, was coming up the side of the seat. And eventually he had to climb out the window of the car into the back of an emergency vehicle to be rescued. In that same stretch of highway where this freak flood came out, uh, there were 17 people that actually had to be airlifted off the roofs of their cars. So it was just a really major freak flood. And before we ever even saw our car, our answer to prayer, it was written off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was very, very, very disappointing. Because I didn't just at that point have a hope for a car. I had an expectation of a car. I knew I had this car coming. And the reality was so disappointing that I cried for weeks over a yellow station wagon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I accepted that my expectations were not going to be met. I accepted that disappointment was my reality. That's not what Mary did. When Jesus was born in a barn and it didn't seem like this was the reality for a king, she didn't accept that disappointment was her reality. This is what she did. We'll read it in Luke chapter 2. Tells us, Luke chapter 2 tells us that her response was to keep all these things in her heart and think about them often. She continued to hold on to what God had spoken, even when she didn't understand. Instead of losing her trust in God, she reminded herself of his promises. Can I say, 
can I be bold enough to say to you that I think this is a key for some people in this room today? Instead of losing trust in God when you're in the midst of disappointment, I think God is calling you to remind yourself of his promises. Trust in God in the midst of disappointment is never easy to do. But just as giving our yes to the expectations of God is our act of initiating trust in him, holding on to those promises through disappointment is an act of persevering in trusting him. I'm going to say that again. Giving your yes to God's expectations is an act of initiating trust in him. Holding on through disappointment is an act of persevering in trusting him. It's all about trusting in God. It's just different stages of walking out that trust in him. Looking back on our car journey, I can see that disappointment was not the full story. When one of our supporters heard what had happened to us with this devastating yellow station wagon, they contacted me and said, go pick out a vehicle, we're going to pay for it. And so instead of having uh, this will do yellow station wagon, we got to drive off the dealership with the car that we really wanted. We got to drive off the dealership with more than I had ever dreamed was possible. I wouldn't have let myself hope for that because I couldn't have dreamed that big for ourselves. We couldn't even dream of it because God's plan for us was better than we would have dared to expect. Mary's expectations were within her ability to understand the promises of God to her and also within her cultural expectation. And when those, I think, high expectations to give birth to a king, that's a pretty high expectation. When those high expectations did not seem to be being met in her circumstances, she could have concluded that her expectations were too high, that they were unrealistic and what God had said was not going to be true over her life. But the problem with Mary's expectation and the Jewish expectation for a king from David's line to bring them political freedom was not that it was an expectation too high. It's that it was an expectation too low. The truth is that God's reality is better than our expectations. Mary and the Jewish people didn't understand the greatness of the plan of God because it was so much more than they were hoping for. They were expecting this political freedom, this freedom from the Roman Empire that was oppressing them. A political freedom, but God delivered a spiritual freedom a freedom from sin, a freedom from death. That's so much greater than a political freedom that only uh, affects us in this temporary time that we're on earth. They were expecting a physical kingdom for one nation, for their nation. 
But God delivered a spiritual kingdom for all people and all nations. It's so much greater than what they were expecting and hoping for. And they were expecting for a reestablishing of David's dynasty. But God delivered an eternal king, Jesus, who would be king of a kingdom that could not be shaken by the things of this world, that no war would ever be able to tear down this kingdom, that no act of man would ever be able to destroy the kingdom of God. Their expectations were not too high. Their expectations were far, far too low. Knowing that God has a reality for us that's better than our expectations, I wonder why we would even settle just for our expectations being met. Why wouldn't we want for the plans of God to be what's lived out in our lives? I want to challenge you guys today to take a second look at areas of disappointment in your life. Areas where the reality of your situation, it looks like less than what your expectations were. This could be in your career. This could be in your marriage, in your family, any area of your life where you had expectations that you're disappointed with the reality of because it seems to be less than what you had hoped for. And I'm going to encourage you to ask God to help you take on his expectations for that area of your life. To make a choice today not to let disappointment be the end of your story. When we give our yes to God, Disappointments we suffer along the way may happen, but they're only a chapter of our story. The end is God's reality, a reality that's better than the one we could have imagined for ourselves. So I'm going to pray for us as I close today. I'm going to have Naomi come back up. The first song that we sang this morning uh, said, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And I want to pray that over us today, but joy. I want to pray for some of the disappointments that people may be suffering with their careers or families or marriages. I want to pray that you would hold on to trusting in God to see his reality, his expectations and plans come to pass for those areas of your life. Uh, and I want to pray that more than just holding on to that, you would be able to hold on to that with joy. Because the disappointments may come. Weeping may come, but it only endures for the night. If we hold on to trusting in God, then we can also have the joy that comes in the morning. So I might just pray for us and then have us uh, re-sing that part of the song as a reminder over ourselves, as declaring that truth over ourselves. Father, I want to pray for anyone in this room who is experiencing disappointment in their lives right now. Um, careers just come to mind where career paths seem like there's no way forward. 
it seems like the reality is never going to live up to the expectation. I pray, Lord, that you would help people in this situation to hold on to trusting you, to believe, to continue to remind themselves like Mary did, remind themselves of the promise that is over their lives in you. God, would you help them? Would you strengthen them in their faith to continue to believe for better? And would you bring that better soon, God? Would you bring breakthrough in careers? Would you bring breakthrough in businesses? And I pray also over relational disappointment. Where relationships have been broken where relationships are suffering through brokenness, God, you are big enough to bring joy even to those things. God, would you strengthen people to trust in you for your goodness to come in those areas of their lives. God, we don't accept that disappointment is the end of our stories. We want to tell testimonies of your betterness in our lives. God, would you strengthen us to hold on to our trust in you till we get to see the better and testify of it and strengthen others in their journeys. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.